Thank you so much, church, for your warm welcome back. I am now returning to church after a really much-needed sabbatical, and I can't tell you just how helpful it is to rest. I mean, to truly get rest. It's only when you get rested that you realize just how long you weren't. And if we were to think about some of the wonderful attributes of children, I might add or name that as one that, that we could learn from. But, so what I'm going to do today, I'm going to do two sermons. One in two minutes, so it'll be real quick, and the other that, has, that reflects my change in heart on this. And the reason to even start with the first sermon is that I think it's more of a traditional read of this. So, when I planned for us to reflect on this today, before I went away on sabbatical, I thought, okay, I'm going to talk specifically about And then time and wisdom and God in particular intervened and thinking shifted. So I'm going to try to bring together what many of us have often thought about this passage, if we have, and then share some of what new insights I've gotten in recent days. Does that sound like a plan? All right. So here's the old sermon. One day, many years ago, not that long ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago, Joshua Bell, who is one of the most talented or celebrated violinists on the planet, decided to make a little experiment. He went into the Washington, D.C. metro. I don't know why he chose Washington, D.C., but if you think about this and reflect on this a little bit longer, you might figure out why. I don't know. We should ask him if we ever meet him. But anyway, so he went into the Washington, D.C. metro, and he pulled out his violin case, and he laid it on the floor in the corner and just proceeded to play. And he played some of his most celebrated pieces. He, he did, uh, you know, things that work on solo violin and was virtuosic, of course. It was impressive. And he set up a little camera just on the other side of where he was standing. And for this experiment, he wanted to figure out and I think he came up with this on his own. He wanted to figure out what would happen. Would people stop to listen to him, this great virtuoso who people pay hundreds of dollars to hear in great concert halls? But if he were on the Metro, what would happen? So there he stood and he played and he was virtuosic and amazing, I guess. I mean, I heard it. But it was commute time and all the people just hurried right past Joshua Bell. They didn't stop. They just went on their way. Maybe they even acknowledged him playing there. And he, it, it's not like it wasn't loud enough and they couldn't hear. They were just in their own worlds. And almost nobody stopped. And I say almost because the only people to a person out of hundreds, perhaps even thousands, because he did this over a series of days, the only people who stopped to hear Mr. Bell, this virtuoso play, were, can you guess who? Children. <laughs> children. It was only the children who would take the time and notice that something was different in the metro station and who were willing to tug on their grown-ups' arms and say, no, this is worth lingering for. We want to hear this. And there's something too, I think, the lesson that Mr. Bell teaches, which could be many things, but one is that children 
have a tendency to be less worried about the timelines and the requirements of getting somewhere on time and all of the other things that we are so focused on as grown-ups because we feel this sense of obligation, but a child's obligation is to their wonder. And should we want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, perhaps we should infuse ourselves with that same sense of wonder. Amen. That's my old sermon. I don't think it's wrong. But what I used to think was that what Jesus was saying is that think of the very best qualities of a child. A child is innocent. A child hasn't yet been sullied by the influence of sin. A child still comes to God with wonder and says, Oh, indeed, my Lord, I am yours. Actually, I've never heard a child say that. But, you know, that is the traditional reading. Because when you have a certain view of sin, which is that it creeps into your life over time and then starts to take over so that you become depraved and terrible, and the only way to the other side of that is by the grace of God. I don't entirely disagree with that, but I think that it misses some really important nuances, including paying attention to children. I spent um, the past few days in retreat with some really brilliant theologians, and one of them reflected on this passage. And I think the title of the piece, he wrote a devotion about this, was something like, Children are Terrible. And he's someone who loves children very, very much, and he has his own kids, and he loves them too. His name is Quinn Caldwell. But it wasn't so much that he thinks children are terrible, he just wanted to catch people's attention. But really that, when you think about what children are actually like, what they do, the sorts of struggles that they have, what they think about, what makes childhood a struggle and difficult, it may in fact be more instructive in thinking about how God parents us. Children don't always know what to say. Children are well aware that they don't know the right answers to things, especially younger children. Children do ask incessantly. They ask many, many questions. Children do not know what to do with their bodies sometimes. And as Quinn put it, there are times when a child will want to do something with their body that just doesn't align with how it works out. They fall, they stumble quite a bit as they are learning to walk. All of this is incredibly helpful as we think about ourselves. Because in that sort of transition of what grows on you, what you take on as we get older, I'm less worried about the power of the sins that may be dragging you down. What I am worried about is how we start to give up our freedom. Children know freedom way better than we do because they still believe it's theirs and they still believe it's their right and they still in all the forms of resistance that we find as we try to instill the things that we want in our children they push for that freedom and when i think about god who says child of god 
you, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. When I think of God who says, ask and it shall be given to you, seek and you shall find. When I think of that God who looks upon us with full knowledge of exactly who we are, exactly what our struggles are, exactly how we have stumbled and fallen, and that we will do it again and again and again, no matter what we tell ourselves about our development and growth. When I think about that God, I recall that God has invited us into God's house to live and dwell there. That is the kingdom of God. That is the reign of God, which we all seek, not in some future time, but it's here. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. The reign of God is at hand. It's not tomorrow. It's not at some other time. It is right here. You can touch it with your fingertips. And when you say that the reign of God is at hand right here, that means that God is inviting us into this dwelling space, into God's house right here and right now, where there is a home and a space for you where it's safe, where spiritually no harm can come to you, where all the things that you may have learned about home or yearned for and home have been resolved. There is no abuse in God's house. There is no lack or want. You don't have to worry about paying a bill you can't meet. You don't have to worry about someone being irretrievably, ir incontrovertibly mad at you. You don't have to worry about your disappointments with the people around you. You don't have to worry about any of that, any of that, because spiritually, in this place where God invites you to dwell spiritually every day and moment of your whole God-given life, you are cared for. You are still God's beloved. God is not tripping over the ways that you trip and fall. Because God loves you through it all. God is the parent we either all would love to have been, love to have had, or love to be. God has you. God's got you. And God wants you, as you dwell in this house together, to be free. And so don't worry about some idealized notion of what childhood might have been when you might have had, as uh, Quinn puts it, neotenous features, when your skin had no wrinkles, when you hadn't worried about this or that. Don't worry about that. What you worry about is your worry. And set it aside. Because in God's house, you are well, beloved. Child of God, live free. Amen. Amen.